everyone, and welcome back to the Watchdogs Bark. My name is Drew. I am your host, and I consider myself a watchdog. Yeah. I know I say the same thing, but it's just kind of a great opener, don't you think? <laughs> All right, this is episode 63. What was the last time? I think I did we. Okay. Um, oh, let's... I'll sing with glee. It's episode 63. Oh my gods. All right. In this episode, we're going to talk about how DEI is welcoming or at least tolerating anti-Semitism in our colleges and universities and all over this country and other parts of the Western world. I have to say really quickly though, in my last podcast, I talked about how it's necessary to close the border and it's time to kick the UN out of the US. And a lot of people commented on that and said, absolutely, they agree. And I just found out recently that my senator, Senator Mike Lee of the great state of Utah, is putting forth a bill to defund and kick out the UN out of the United States of America. Hallelujah. And I'm telling all conservative senators and anyone else that has anything to do with this, vote yes. Kick the UN out of this country. Let another country deal with the headaches of diplomatic immunity and paying for people that hate you. The, the UN is basically pro-communist. They favor countries that are communist countries. They put Iran and China and, you know, North Korea, all these other countries, they put them in charge of these committees. I, I still can't get over the fact that Iran is the chair country of the UN Human Rights Council. Just let that sink in for just a second. Okay, that's enough. I got a lot of comments of people, and I was really happy to hear. I thought I was going to get some people saying, oh, you're absolutely wrong. No, almost all of the comments I got was absolutely agreeing with me. So thank you. I really, really appreciate it. That, that helps me know I'm doing the right thing here. And on this time, man, I'm telling you, this one came up even before these testimonies of these presidents of these Ivy League universities were testifying in front of... I believe it was the House Oversight Committee. Elise Stefanik was really the highlight of this. She basically grilled these three ladies that are the presidents of Harvard, University of Pennsylvania, and Massachusetts Institute of Technology, otherwise is known as MIT. These ladies could not answer a question directly. And it was a question that obviously had a very easy, definitive yes to answer that question, but not one of them answered it in the affirmative with the strength it needed to have. Listen to this exchange. Dr. Kornbluth, yes. at MIT, does calling for the genocide of Jews violate MIT's code of conduct or rules regarding bullying and harassment, yes or no? If targeted at individuals not making public statements. Yes or no? Calling for the genocide of Jews does have, not constitute bullying and harassment? I have not heard calling for the genocide for Jews on our campus. But you've heard chants for intifada. 
I've heard chants, which can be anti-Semitic depending on the context, when calling for the elimination of the Jewish people. So those would not be according to the MIT's code of conduct or rules? That would be um, investigated of, as harassment, if pervasive and severe. Ms. McGill, at Penn, does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Penn's rules or code of conduct? Yes or no? If the speech turns into conduct, it can be harassment, yes. I am asking, specifically calling for the genocide of Jews, does that constitute bullying or harassment? If it is directed and severe or pervasive, it is harassment. So the answer is yes. It is a context-dependent decision, Congresswoman. It's a context-dependent decision. That's your testimony today. Calling for the genocide of Jews is depending upon the context. That is not bullying or harassment. This is the easiest question to answer yes, Ms. McGill. So is your if testimony it, that it, you will not answer yes? If it uh, is, if the, yes speech or becomes, no. if the speech becomes conduct, it can be harassment, yes. Conduct meaning committing the act of genocide? The speech is not harassment? This is unacceptable, Ms. McGill. I'm gonna give you one more opportunity for the world to see your answer. Does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Penn's code of conduct when it comes to bullying and harassment? Yes or no? It can be harassment. The answer is yes. And Dr. Gay, at Harvard, does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Harvard's rules of bullying and harassment, yes or no? It can be, depending on the context. What's the context? Targeted as an individual, targeted as, at an individual. It's targeted at Jewish students, Jewish individuals. Do you understand your testimony is dehumanizing them? Do you understand that dehumanization is part of antisemitism? I will ask you one more time. Does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Harvard's rules of bullying and harassment? Yes or no? Anti-Semitic rhetoric when it and crosses is it anti-Semitic rhetoric? Anti-Semitic rhetoric when it crosses into conduct that amounts to bullying, harassment, intimidation, that is actionable conduct and we do take action. So the answer is yes that calling for the genocide of Jews violates Harvard Code of Conduct, correct? Again, it depends on the context. It does not depend on the context. The answer is yes, and this is why you should resign. These are unacceptable answers across the board. I sat when I first listened to this and like was slack-jawed. Like, I can't believe these women, the presidents of some of the most prestigious universities in our country, could not answer a definitive yes, it was. Yes, yes, that would violate our code of conduct in regards to bullying and harassment. Yes, if someone is calling for intifada, which is basically eliminating Jews, okay, if someone is calling for the genocide of Jews, all Jews, that would be a yes. It's kind of that simple, ladies. And my goodness, the Professor Gay and McGill and Kornbluth, shame on you. Incidentally, since this hearing happened, 
One of those presidents has resigned. Liz McGill of the University of Pennsylvania has tendered her resignation. However, she's still allowed to teach in the law school. So when she was president, one of the professors there, Ahmad Amala, led the students in a chant saying there's only one solution, intifada revolution. And he was allowed to keep his job thanks to Liz McGill. Also at another time in the hearing, Elise Stefanik asked Claudine Gay, the president of Harvard, what kind of disciplinary action is going to be taken and what is their policy. And she went on to explain that teachers are allowed to express their opinions in their classrooms as per the U.S. Constitution and the First Amendment free speech. So imagine these teachers that hate Jews. You're, going, you're a Jewish student and you go to their class and you feel f- perfectly fine until that teacher decides to tell you he hates Jews in his classroom because he's allowed to express his opinion in his classroom. How do you think that's going to make that Jewish student feel? Now, I am absolutely a free speech absolutist, 100%. But if you're calling for the extinction of one whole group of people, you need to be punished for saying that. You're still allowed to say it in my book, but if you're stupid enough to say that, you should be punished. That's my feeling. Basically, understand how this happened. These universities are now teaching anti-Semitism. And the reason why I'm going to go back to my original statement is DEI welcomes, or at least tolerates, anti-Semitism, is Those people that are teaching diversity, equity, and inclusion are generally coming to the consensus that Jewish people are nothing more than white oppressors, period. White occupiers, that Israel is committing genocide for defending themselves. It doesn't matter that Hamas is hiding their weapons and also their headquarters under civilian targets like schools and hospitals. No, that doesn't matter. Israel needs to have a ceasefire now because they should not make a big deal out of what Hamas did. Yes, Hamas, oh, bad, bad, bad Hamas. You shouldn't have done that. We'll slap you on the hand. But Israel is committing genocide by defending themselves. That's where we've gotten on this issue. Israel is committing genocide by defending themselves from being attacked by Hamas terrorists. And Hamas terrorists did the most heinous things to Israeli people, raped, violently raped the women, burned people alive, beheaded babies. This all happened. But the people that are trying to defend Hamas and are out there protesting, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. They're calling for genocide of all Jews. What, how did we get back to this? This was the attitude of Germany in 1930. How did we get back to this? I think I know, but I want to hear your ideas. Write me, Drew, at thewatchdogsbark.com. Oh, and by the way, I do hear that a lot of pressure is coming to bear 
on these three women because of the donors are so disgusted with how the interview went, how these hearings went, and how they were not able to say yes definitively. Calling for the genocide of Jews does go against our school's code of conduct. There is, I believe, one gentleman, I don't know if he's, I think he's University of Pennsylvania, mega donor. He is pulling $100 million out of his donations for the University of Pennsylvania. I'm pretty sure that's one of the reasons why Liz McGill stepped down or may have been asked to step down, fearing other donors do the same. I think all universities that are encountering these large protests and their presidents are not speaking out against them and trying to do everything they can to stop them. All donors should pull their money from these universities because that will make them change their behavior. When they lose their money, that's when they get pop into action. They won't do anything otherwise. They'll go, oh, well, you know, it depends on the context. Well, if, if uh, these calls for genocide actually result in action, <laughs> and I was blown away when that one happened. I was like, what? Exactly like Elise Stefanik said. So you're saying if they commit genocide, then, it's, then you'll enforce the, the code of conduct at your university. What? So according to these presidents of the universities, it's okay for thousands of students on their campuses to scream in unison from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free, or specifically call for the genocide of all Jews and deny that Jews have a right to exist and deny that Jews have a right to have the state of Israel as their home. All the people that are chanting this in unison is okay as far as their chants don't result in action. Just think about how idiotic that is. And also, let's just put this into a different context, okay? Let's say, just imagine, okay, if there were thousands of protesters on college campuses protesting Islam or Christianity, what do you think those presidents would say? Do you think they would say, that rises against our code of conduct in, in regards to bullying and harassment? Or just imagine, let's replace Jews with all the other buzzwords going on right now. What if everyone was calling for the genocide of trans people? What do you think would happen then? What, do, what would happen if, if thousands and thousands of people were on the streets calling for the genocide of people of color? Or thousands and thousands of people all over the world were calling for the genocide of gay people? or the genocide of Mexicans, or the genocide of Asians. Why is it okay to call for the genocide of Jews and every other word you put in place of Jews would cause an uprising and riots worldwide? Think about that. Think about how serious this really is. I, I have a hard time <laughs> digesting this one. I can't understand how this is acceptable. And it's even to the point where some of these university professors actually said how excited and elated they were when Hamas attacked Israel. What? And on X, one of the 
biggest spreading hashtags was Hitler was right. I, I, wow. How do you even think that way? How do you even think it's okay to call for the genocide of anyone? And I mean anyone. Everyone has a right to live on this earth. Everyone has a right to practice their religion. Everyone has a right to peacefully exist. It doesn't seem, though, that that is a two-way street with, and I'm sorry to say, Palestinians. I've seen more videos showing parents teaching their children it's okay to kill Jews, their dogs. I've seen more videos of children's programming where the host is asking these children what they want to do and when they say they want to be a policeman so they can carry a gun and shoot Jews, they're praised. If you, and I'll say this again, I know I said it in another podcast, but I'm going to say it again. If you watch Israeli TV, there is no children's programming praising anyone that wants to kill Palestinians. It does not exist. So when people say, oh, well, Jews are the oppressors. Jews are the ones that are committing genocide. Jews are the occupiers. Jews have stolen the Palestinian land. That's completely 100% false. And all you have to do is read a history book that's not written by or screamed from the pulpit from a radical imam or religious leader in Palestinian countries, Iran, Iraq, Jordan, Syria, Egypt, all of these countries, they're teaching their children to hate. As I've said in that many podcasts, and I'll keep saying that, stop teaching your children to hate. Just stop. Don't you want peace? I know. But let, me, let me talk to the people that are calling for the elimination of all Jews. After all the Jews are gone, will you have peace? And I know, America too. Okay, so after all of the Jews and after all of Americans are gone, will you have peace? You have been telling your children to hate for millennia. How is that going to change overnight if magically someone could snap their finger and all Jews and all Americans would disappear. Would you have peace? Why, why, why not have peace now, all together? Why not just accept each other as we are? Not try to change each other. Not to condemn anyone for having different beliefs. It's sad to me that we've gotten to a point where hate is so strong, it destroys families. It destroys friendships. It destroys communities. It destroys congregations. It destroys countries. Hate. We got to get rid of it. We got to stop spreading hate. We can disagree and not want to kill each other. And if you go back, it seems like the majority of the quote-unquote acceptable hatred is against nuclear families, religious people who have high moral standards. Why is that? Because you're being taught by your parents, by the media, by social media, that those people are wrong. Those people you should try to destroy because the media are using you as a tool to divide us. Think about that. Let me put it a little more bluntly. You're being used as a tool to destroy this country. That is the real reason there is such a rise in anti-Semitism around our country and around the world. The media 
at the direction of the puppet masters, and I know that's going to sound like conspiracy theory, but at, at the direction of those who want a world governance, the media and social media and our education system has brainwashed people into believing that nuclear families are bad. And that we should accept all type of families. And I uh, believe me, I am totally accept all types of families. But the most powerful and sturdy family unit is the nuclear family. Science, science will prove that one over and over and over again. And I believe one of the reasons why there is such a huge rise in anti-Semitism is that Jewish culture is very family-based. And there is great stability and strength in the Jewish religion for its practitioners. And remember, I've said numerous times that those who want this world power, this world governance, need to tear down all of the pillars of strength that provide a center, direction, moral compass for people. If they can remove all of those and make the entire public confused and demoralized and desensitized, they will be much easier to control and overpower. The proof of this is again online. There's a professor that after Israel started fighting back, the, this professor spread the hashtag Hamas Holocaust. Do you know how insulting that is to Jews? That you're comparing Israel fighting back against the attack that happened on them on October 7th to the event in world history that wiped out 6 million Jews. Now, one of the real problems I see, I'm going to discuss in my next podcast. My next podcast will be Hard Truths. I may be called all kinds of names, but all of the things that are happening in our country Everyone needs to understand why they are happening and how they are happening. And we have to address some very hard truths in our country that need to be fixed. So I'll just leave you with that teaser until next podcast. And right now, I want to talk really quickly about an amazing product that I am partnering with a company called NewSkin. Yes, I'm a distributor, but I'm partnering with a company, and they have this amazing product called LifePack Nano. It is the most bioavailable multivitamin you can get. It's guaranteed to absor or absorb into your body and give you the nutrients that you need. I take it every day with my green drink, and it is just amazing in the morning. I never acquired a taste for coffee. But I cannot go a day without my green drink and my LifePak Nano. If you want to find out more about this, go to my website, twdbark.mynewskin. And again, newskin is N-U-S-K-I-N. twdbark.mynewskin.com and see LifePak Nano and all the other great products I personally use and recommend. Okay, speaking about... People that want a world governance and the rise of anti-Semitism and the rise of communism, there are two things I want to bring your attention to 
and they are both horribly frightening. New York, the New York State just passed a law, NY 2.13. This is the single most intrusive and restrictive law in our country. Basically, what New York wants to do is use the same authority they had during the pandemic to put people in quarantine for any reason. There is no restriction on age, and there is no needing proof for what they are putting anyone in quarantine for. So basically, New York is saying, mind your manners, walk the line, or we'll say, You're a danger to society and we'll put you in quarantine for however long we want. Ladies and gentlemen, that's called a police state. Basically, New York had an order 2.13 that was created during the pandemic to try and stem the spread of COVID. And it allowed authorities to put people in quarantine for the safety of those around them and public safety. But Governor Hochul wants to reinstate Rule 2.13 indefinitely. And there are representatives in the New York State Legislature trying to stop this from happening. And the wording is too long, but basically I'll summarize it for you. New York, if they reinstate this rule, can put anyone they see as a health risk, and I do that in air quotes, because If you give the government ultimate authority when there is an emergency and give them the right to subvert the Constitution and gain more power, they will create more emergencies to expand that power. And that's what the state of New York is trying to do. If they reinstate this Order 2.13, that means the state of New York may put anyone they see as a health threat, in air quotes, into quarantine, no matter what their age, they don't have to get permission from parents to take children away from their parents, none of that. And they can put them in quarantine for as long as they deem necessary. This is like insane overreach of the government. But what do you expect from the state of New York? Yet my friends in New York City, get out while you can. It seems that New York wants to be the progressive state to enact all of these far-reaching government overreaching laws and wants the rest of the country to follow suit. Governor Hochul is a tyrant, period. So my friends in New York, if this is put on the ballot, vote no for it if you're allowed to. I don't even think they'll put it on the ballot and allow the public to know about it. I think they're just going to reinstate it because it's the right thing for the greater good. You know, all that that you hear from communists. They do not care about free speech. They do not care about personal privacy. No, no, no. New York, as a matter of fact, the New York City itself, Manhattan, there's hardly a square inch on the island of Manhattan that is not surveilled by cameras. As a matter of fact, there are on certain corners in like Times Square and, and uh, uh, the Upper West Side, and I, I, don't, I think the other one's Columbus Circle, all the ones, you can see these giant towers, white towers of tons of cameras. There are infrared cameras, there are uh, super magnifying cameras, there are all different kinds of cameras 
and they watch the crowds all the time. And they can even see an elevation in, peop- in someone's body temperature and look at their facial expressions as if they're really mad or to be considered a threat. This is all going to be combined to create a police state in the island of Manhattan. And already, Manhattan is insanely expensive to live, live in. I know many of my friends that are moving to the boroughs or to New Jersey or, you know, even upstate New York, anywhere, because the island of Manhattan and parts of Brooklyn are insanely expensive. And now they basically want to make the, the entire island a police state to where the government has ultimate authority over your life and can do to you what they want with no repercussion and no respect of your personal rights. Think about how insane that is. And if that's not insane enough, listen to this. Ireland is trying to pass a new law called New Garda. This will basically allow police officers to have full access to your phones and computers if they see you as a threat. So this means that if the police come knock on your door and they ask to see your phone and your computers, you are by law forced to give them your passwords. Either that or I believe they may actually find programmers to create a backdoor to everyone's phone and computers. Either way, that's what's going to happen in Ireland. That means it's a backdoor is going to be created on all your devices. So no matter how well password protected they are, the police in Ireland will be able to, number one, they'll come into your home and they can confiscate your phones and computers without your permission, with no regard to your personal privacy or property. And this backdoor will allow them full access to your phones and computers, even if you put in major encryption and passwords, really, really good passwords. It doesn't matter. They'll create this backdoor that'll give them full access to your devices if they see you as a threat. My friends, that's what's happening. And if you think this is just an, a rare thing, oh, it's just Ireland, whatever, it's not going to affect. They're testing this. They're testing to see how a certain civilization or certain people will react. And they believe, honestly, that the world has gotten to a point where they're so demoralized and so desensitized that they're not going to care. They're going to say, well, you know, if you have nothing to hide, why are you worried about this? That's exactly what they want you to think. If you have nothing to hide, you have nothing to worry about, right? So don't hide anything from us. That's what they're saying. You have nothing to hide. Don't worry. But you shouldn't care about your personal privacy. You shouldn't care if you're surveilled 24-7 everywhere you go. You shouldn't care that we can supervert, that we can get past all of your passwords into your private information. You, you shouldn't care about that. If you are doing nothing wrong, you have nothing to hide, right? That's their attitude towards this whole thing, is they hope, just like Klaus Schwab said, in the future, no one will care about personal privacy because they'll just accept that we're all being surveilled everywhere we go and everything we do. In the future, no one will care about personal privacy. That's what they're hoping. And these new laws that are being trying to be passed in New York City 
And now Ireland, these are tests to see how we'll react. If the majority of people go, eh, oh well, you know, another step, whatever, then they're just going to keep going. But if we rise up and say, remember I went a couple podcasts, there's not enough people rising up and saying, no, you may not have unfettered access to my devices just because you don't like something I said. No, you may not put me in quarantine because I said something against this government or I said something that you didn't like. And incidentally, I know that my last podcast was banned by YouTube. YouTube, if you're listening to this, go to hell. I don't care. You are nothing but censorship brigades that censorship that censors things you disagree with. All of my stuff is being has been well researched. And the, the doctors and stuff that I quoted uh, about the vaccine, that was doctors' opinions. And that's not me spreading misinformation. That's you stopping information you disagree with. So you're not a company that values free speech. You're a company that values your control, period. All right, just a couple more things I want to talk about. First of all, this town hall with Trump on Sean Hannity the other night. And Trump, I, I swear to you, he is the he's the guy holding the laser pointer and Democrats are all a bunch of cats. They're all following everything he does. And man, I'm telling you, if you're watching MSNBC, it's no wonder you hate Trump so much. I watch in the morning when I make my green drink and have breakfast, I watch News Mix, you know, where you have the six uh, screen within a screens and it's got you know, the screens for CNN, Fox, MSNBC, BBC, and then two weather channels. And I put it on there so I can see everybody's point of view on different stories. And Fox had a wide variety of stories, anything from the border crisis, which is insane now. I mean, it is getting insane. 5,000 new illegal immigrants are being released into our country Every single day. That's how bad that is. And then uh, also they had um, the Hunter Biden thing and um, one of the one of the Trump things. And then they talked about this woman in Texas, which I'll talk about in just a second. Uh, that's that Texas is preventing from getting an abortion, even though she's carrying an unviable, unviable, unviable fetus or unviable baby. So anyway, that all kinds of things. And they went through about four or five, six, seven different stories in the hour. And CNN did about three or four. MSNBC went from one Trump story to another Trump story to another Trump story. And then talked a little bit about this, this, uh, this case in Texas, about the, uh, the abortion case in Texas. And they went back to another Trump story and another Trump story, and another Trump story. And it was all about Trump and his, you know, the indictments going on in New York and Trump's town hall with Sean Hannity and all that. It's MSNBC broadcasts nonstop anti-Trump propaganda. So if you watch MSNBC for your main source of news, I now understand with perfect clarity why you hate Trump so much. Because they tell you to hate him. They only talk about negative things that Trump has done. 
And they did that all through his presidency too. 94% negative coverage of Donald Trump. No network has devoted so much hatred and propaganda to try and destroy a presidency, prevent another re-election, and destroy a person himself. Why is there this much animosity towards him? I've said it before, and I will say it again. Trump represents the biggest threat to world governance that exists today. He will bring America back to energy independence, to American independence. He will bring pride back into the country. And the globalists cannot have that. They need all countries interdependent on each other. If they have one country out there that's completely independent, it will inspire other countries to become that way too. So just to go back what I wanted to say, in this town hall with Donald Trump in the on Sean Hannity's uh, show, Donald Trump said something that is making the left lose their minds. He said, and, and uh, Sean Hannity said, you know, just to clarify, you're not going to be a, a dictator or anything like that, you know, in your presidency. And Donald Trump said in jest, no, but oh, well, only on day one. And then I'll and then I'll go back. But only on day one, I'll be a dictator. But what was what Trump was basically explaining is every single president since the elect the um, executive order has been allowed. Okay, executive orders are unconstitutional. The only branch allowed to make laws according to the Constitution is the legislative branch. When a president signs executive orders. Those are unconstitutional and temporary laws. So Joe Biden signed 32 executive orders his first day in office. Most of them were undoing everything Trump did, as in the border security, as in energy independence, stopping the Keystone XL pipeline, all of these things that Donald Trump put into place to make America safe and independent again Joe Biden undid with executive orders. Joe Biden was a dictator on his first day in office. And Donald Trump jokingly said, well, only the first day because every he's acknowledging his first day in office. He's going to he's going to sign a whole bunch of executive orders, basically putting back into place all of his border security and open drilling in this country to get us back to energy independence. But the left is taking that completely out of context. I've actually seen, I actually saw one reporter say with his own mouth, Donald Trump admitted that starting on day one, he was going to be a dictator. That is completely out of context. What Donald Trump says is on day one, I will be a dictator only, only on day one. And that is he was acknowledging that signing executive orders is not constitutional and it's dictatorial. So he's going to be a dictator on his day one because he's going to sign a lot of executive orders. So let's clear all that up, shall we? Because that's basically all he said. I swear to you, he knows just what buttons to push in the left and their propaganda media. They go absolutely crazy over the littlest things he says. And that's the crazy thing and the difference between Republicans and Democrats, according to Trump. Democrats pay attention to what Trump 
says and tweets. Republicans pay attention to what Donald Trump does. And if you look at what Donald Trump did while he was in office, he actually accomplished a great deal of things. The Abraham Accords, I think, was one of his signature accomplishments while he was in office. And all of that is starting to be undone because of what's going on in Israel and how many pro-Palestinians we have in this country that are actually celebrating what Hamas did. And like I said, what Hamas did was heinous to the Israeli people. And there is no excuse for using that kind of violence and savagery and terror against any peoples. All right, now I want to talk a little bit about this abortion ban that's happening in Texas. And there's, there's a 31-year-old mother of two that's pregnant right now, and the baby has been diagnosed with a fatal disease, and it will not survive the pregnancy. And by the mother having to have the child may actually jeopardize her ability to procreate in the future. So the Texas Supreme Court has put a hold, basically, on a judge's ruling that approved this woman's abortion. And I'm, I'm going to ask the Texas Supreme Court, why? Are you trying to set a strong precedent that no abortions after six weeks will ever be allowed? Is that what's going on in the state of Texas? I'm disappointed to hear this because it's my belief that pretty much all over the country, people want some kind of restrictions for incest or rape or danger to the baby or danger to the mother. It, those things should be acceptable. And, you know, I am absolutely 100% pro-life. I believe life begins at conception, and I believe that we should do everything in our power to preserve life at all costs. However, when you're putting in jeopardy the life of the mother and the possible future procreative ability of that mother, then that abortion should not be banned. That abortion should be allowed. And the problem is this woman is 20 weeks along, and Texas did pass a very hard-lined six-week abortion ban. And six weeks, for those who don't know, that's when the baby's heart starts beating. So when this woman learned that she was pregnant for a third time, she was told weeks later that her baby had a high risk for a condition known as trisomy 18, which is a very high likelihood of miscarriage or stillbirth and very, very low survival rate. So, okay, I can understand maybe Texas is saying, okay, what about faith? Shouldn't we have faith that this baby will survive? Yeah, I can see that. But I also see it as a danger to the mother. And that it, the likelihood this baby's going to be born alive is very, very low. So that's why this issue is so hard to come to a conclusion with. There's so many gray areas, you know, it's, it's a personal choice of the mother. And that's what I've said from 
the very beginning, and I will always say it, the final choice should be the mother's. All right. It absolutely should be the mother's. But the medical professionals cannot lie to a teenage girl and say, oh, it's just a clump of cells. It's not really a living thing. Don't worry. You're not aborting a baby. You're not killing a baby. You're, you're just ending the development of a clump of cells. Well, from the moment of mitosis, when those two cells split, each of those two new cells are encoded with the DNA different than the mother of either a human male or a human female. And if nothing is done to stop that progression, it results in a birth of a male human or a female human. That's it. Okay. There, but up until that point, I understand there's all kinds of things that can go on. And the final choice should be the mother's. But again, they have to be completely informed. So I am going to promote one more time, even though I'm not going to make a dime from this. There is a company called Preborn, okay, that will provide sonograms and allow a girl to listen to a baby's heart. And when the, this girl goes in for an abortion or goes into this preborn clinic and is allowed to listen to the heartbeat and see the fetus, they rarely choose to abort at that point. They realize it's a life. Also, preborn goes beyond just the baby showing the, the sonogram and listening to the heartbeat. They provide support for these girls for up to two years after the baby is born. Diapers and all kinds of things that they need, formula, all the things that these, these young girls need to take care of that baby. So I think it's important we support organizations like preborn. And I think I said in another podcast when I was talking about my views on abortion, that when we find a person lying on the ground and we want to know if they're alive or dead, first thing we do is check for a pulse. And when a doctor is working on a patient and, you know, does uh, CPR and brings them back to life and brings them back to life, and then one day at one time they can't bring them back to life, when the heart has stopped completely then the doctor looks up at the clock and says, time of death, 12, 28, 28, or whatever. So if the heart stops, that's declared death, isn't when the heart starts life? Just think about that. But in this case, I think it's ridiculous. I understand Texas probably wants to set a very strong precedence that we are banning abortions after six weeks, regardless, no matter what. And I, that's fine. That's the state of Texas. And that's, like I said, when Roe v. Wade was overturned, this goes back to the states. This is where this law should exist. There should be no federal ban or federal rule of anything uh, regarding to abortion. So, but in this case, when the baby's already been diagnosed with a deadly disease and it's putting in jeopardy the life of the mother and the reproductive future of that mother, then Texas... It's your responsibility to take your take responsibility and let this woman have an abortion. And like I said, I think it's going to come to a point where we're going to have to find some kind of compromise because Democrats own this issue. They own this issue. And it was, be the, it was because of this issue in the 2023 midterms that Democrats won because they were convinced everybody that Republicans just want to ban abortion nationwide. And that's not true at all, okay? 
That's not true. The, those of us who are pro-life, we believe life begins at conception. But we understand that we have to come to some kind of compromise. And like I said, I think the compromise needs to be like 15 weeks. That'll be like between the heart beating and viability now can happen at 16, 17, 18 weeks in an incubator. So there has to be kind of a compromise. And like I said, may God forgive us that we're going to come to this compromise. But I think for the sake of the country, we need to do that. And each state needs to come up with their own laws. But I believe that 15 weeks is probably the compromise most states are going to have to agree with in order to get Republican and independent support on this issue. All right. I know I've touched on some pretty tough subjects today. I, I just need everybody to understand what's really going on. And like I said, next podcast is going to be really intense. Just prepare. You're probably going to call me names, but I'm going to say it anyway. We need to understand there are some hard truths we need to acknowledge. All right. As I always like to do, I want to end on a positive note. And this one is so powerful. Um, it actually got me quite emotional listening to it. So listen closely to what this guy says. He's a motivational speaker, Ben Lionel Scott. And he's talking about your value. Listen to this. Let me speak to that person that feels like they lost their worth of their value. This is a dollar bill. Now, if I go to the store and there's something for 90 cents, can I buy it with this dollar bill? Okay, all right. So, if I go to the store and there's something for 85 cents and after tax, it ends up being 96 cents, can I buy it with this dollar bill? Okay, all right. So, what if I bought the dollar bill up? Think about it now. Like, I just bought the dollar bill up. Like, so it can't be worth a dollar now. It's probably worth like 95 cents, right? How much do you think it's worth? A dollar. Listen, listen, y'all gotta pay attention. I just bought it up. So clearly it's not worth a dollar anymore. Alright, alright, so maybe what if I step on it? What if I stomp it? I just stomped it. How much is it worth now? Maybe 65 cents, 68 cents? It's still worth a dollar? Okay, what if I bought it up? What if I stomp on it and then I put it in the trash can and it's in here with some trash and it's around some beer and some gum and a bunch of other nasty stuff and some guy off the street pulls the dollar out, unfolds it. How much is it worth now? Maybe 82 cents? And me, wait, come on, at least 92 cents? It's okay, all right, so what if I ball it up? What if I step on it? What if I put it in trash and then, watch this, I tear it in half. Think about it now, right? How much is it worth now? A dollar? I could tape it? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Shh. Wait, 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 wait. Wait a second. Wait a second. I just, I just balled it up. I just stepped on it. I put it in trash. I pulled it out. Then I tore it in half. And you mean to tell me I could pick the dollar up, I could wipe it off, and I could put some tape around it, and it's still worth a dollar? Then why, if this dollar doesn't lose its worth or its value, then why do you feel like you lost your worth of value? Because many of you feel like you've been stepped on, you feel like you've been pushed aside, you feel like you've been abandoned, you feel like you've been talked about, you feel like you've been abused, like someone took from you, someone hurt you, somebody took advantage of you, and deep down inside your core, you feel like you've lost 
lost some of your value. And I am here to tell you today that this dollar still has worth and value because there are some men years ago who put value over this life and said that no matter what happens to it, it can still be taped back together. It can still be wiped off. And I am here to tell you that you were created and you're born and you're here and you have life and you have purpose and you have value. And though you've gone through some hard times and though you've experienced some depression and you might be wanting to hurt yourself and you might want to give up, I am here to tell you you still got worth and value. And there is nothing that can happen that can take your worth and your value away. So what you gotta do now is you gotta pick yourself up. You gotta dust yourself off and you gotta keep moving. Man, I love that one. That one is so powerful because how many of you feel like you've been stepped on and ripped apart and thrown in the trash and abused and made fun of and you think that you're worth less? You're not. You're still worth the full amount that you were when you were created by God. You are of divine lineage. And as I said in the podcast talking about how people think they were born in the wrong bodies, God does not make mistakes. You are a son or a daughter of God. You were not put here on the earth to fail. You were not put here on the earth to not accomplish anything. Each of you is endowed with talents and gifts and abilities that no other person has. Be yourself. Be unique. Because you are. And understand you are valuable. You are completely valuable to our Father in Heaven. And you are valuable to your family. And you are valuable to your friends. You are valuable to your community. You are valuable to your congregation. You are valuable to your workforce. Know your value. Don't sell yourself short. All right. And with that, I want to thank you again for listening to this podcast. And please help me relay the bark. Tell other people about this. Even if you tell them just listen to the last five minutes, you know, if you tell them just listen to his, he, he always ends with these great positive notes. That's fine. I don't care. I just want to start opening this audience. I want to start building this audience to the point where we start helping each other out. Life is tough. There's no doubt about that. You know, life isn't fair. But if we all understand our worth and we all do everything we can to build each other up, life will be so much more joyous and fulfilling. And with that, that brings us to the end of a podcast. And until next time, create an amazing day and help me relay the bond.